Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Hello, today uh, my guest is Yugochi Nwangugu. I am extremely honored to have Yugochi on this morning. How are you? I'm so good. It's such an honor for me to be sitting across from you, Nadine. We have been lifelong friends. Yes. We met in grammar school. And you know, you were one of my closest friends in grammar school. Absolutely. So <laughs> I'm inspired by you always have been because you are a person who has a true sense of who she is. Oh, you always have. Thank you. you follow your purpose. Uh, you are authentic, very true to yourself. Thank I you. find you extremely inspiring. Thank you, Nadine. You go, she tell us about yourself, your background. Ah, my background is very interesting. So I was born in Chicago. Um, to two uh, Nigerian uh, parents from Igbo parentage um, heritage, and um, and so they came to this country just uh, a few years before um, I was born, and so we kind of um, were learning American life together. We were all um, just trying to figure out. I had two older older siblings who were born in Nigeria, and I was actually uh, one of three born in Chicago. So um, that's where I started. I, I was raised in this Chicago environment, like trying to understand it. Um, I, I realized early on that um, there were a lot of clashes in, the, um, in American culture and then the African culture that I was representing. I found that there was a lot of identity clashes. There were a lot of cultural clashes. And so I tried to find myself in that sea of confusion of two different cultures coming together and not always agreeing not always being parallel you know what I mean and I think that's what made us click so early yeah, on sure. is because we had that similar experience that's right my coming from I was first born generation as well from mm -hmm. Haitian parents mm -hmm. and you're right it was very interesting navigating yes. cult your parents culture mm -hmm. American culture mm -hmm. not quite being either one and having to figure that out. That's exactly right. Like we're in this middle place. And so my parents, like your parents, are on, on this side of African Caribbean culture. And then we're in the middle. And then on this side is American culture. And trying to find where you fit in is, you know, some children never, never find themselves in that process. And I, I try to you know, scurry from one side to the next. And then I realized, you know, I'm just Ugochi. I'm going to be the best Ugochi I can be because no matter what, what if, it, if I'm not African enough? What if I'm not American enough? I can always be Ugochi enough. So I just decided to try to be the best me. And that's when I freed myself. And how early did, were you able to do that? You know, it's, I suffered in elementary school. <laughs> I did. I didn't really have that sense. Um, so early on in high school, I was struggling with it, too. In college is when I really, really claimed it. You know what I'm saying? And then mm -hmm. when I said, OK, well, I'm trying to be the best Ugochi I can be. It took me all the way back to my village. And that's where I had to start. So then I had to reintroduce myself to myself in that. And then I, that's when I started to emerge. Now I've had this African-American experience, right? You know, at this HBCU. And it took me deeper into my African self. And so what does HBCU stand for? It stands for Historically Black College and University. Okay. So I, mine was Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University in Tallahassee, Florida. And I ran track for my university. 
um, that was another way of me finding my identity too, was through sports. And so in high school, I found I was really good at track and um, so good that I got a scholarship to go to, to my university. Um, and I ran as an adult, um, I ran for um, my college. And that helped me to, to put myself in perspective too. It wasn't um, until I started doing that that I found the parallels within my life and my mom. My mom was a track star in, in Africa, and oh we goodness. never knew this. She never told us. And what I realized about my parents is that they were escaping really tumultuous times. Right when they left, Nigeria was the Biafran War that we were being um, wiped out. There was a genocide happening to the Igbo, mm. our tribe. And so my, my, it's like my dad's intuition. He kind of knew it was coming or something and he was coming to the u.s for to study um and so he missed the whole biafran experience and my mother was coming to join him and um, that's around the time biafra popped off because she was actually at the airport and people were dying and she didn't know it because she got on the plane in benin as opposed to in lagos and that's the only reason why my mom survived Oh my it's it's um, really deep. And so going inside myself, I had to go back and find these answers to these questions, questions I didn't even know were questions until I started to talk to my parents more. And I think that's when I, I found so many parallels in our lives, you know, and I saw them as people and not my mom and my dad. But like, Rachel, what was life like for you in Nigeria at this time? And she was just telling me uh, the stories blew me away. I actually wrote them into poems and, um, and uh, essays because I just needed them to be out there. I needed my dad to have his story uh, highlighted. I need my mother's story to be out there. They're just so unique. And if we don't tell our parents' stories, how do they get out? Absolutely. So as you've been talking, and of course knowing you, it's been very apparent that family has always been a cornerstone to yes. your identity. Mm -hmm. How can you put that into words? Well, I think tribally, we are a tribe. And so that's just family. That's what that basically means. You know, um, it's very important to me. I'm also a cancer by Zodiac. So I'm just maternal energy on top of maternal energy, family, family, family. So that's why it's so important for me to be in my parents' life right now um, and to be... Um, really active for them because they I feel like they made the ultimate sacrifices for us of course you know and so this is the time when I stand with them and say okay I've got you whatever you need I'm here for you because they did for us for us to have the lives that we have you know I couldn't imagine being the woman I am without my parents um, my sisters and brothers were they were everything you know we were so close in age the last two um, so, and then um, Namdi and Adaku were older. And so the last two, Chinyere and Abuku, were, we were very more close. So we went to school together. We did everything together. We were very close. And that was, um, our, they, you know, our best friends were built into the household. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? You yes. had your first best friends in the household. For my mom and dad, too, they only had each other. They left everybody. Hmm. You know, so this family unit they were building, it was very important for them to to keep it solid and to make sure we were all safe and protected. And that's just the feeling. I just think of my childhood. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of exploration. I felt safe. Um, I felt loved. I felt um, protected, you know, and I think um, that is really important. Where you start off in your family and your childhood, it really d affects you as an adult, you know. So I don't have this 
this thing of looking back and like, oh, you know, oh my, I never got along with my dad in the, in like high school. We were always at war because it was a real power struggle. Like I'm trying to be this new uh, lady on the scene, you know, <laughs> and my dad is like, okay, no, you can't run track, but dad, I'm really good at track. You know, it was those things. No, just academics. You know, our, our parents, right? Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> always afraid that the education would be lost in the background. Exactly. But no, but the education actually happened because of the, um, because of the athletics. For me, the, the athletics helped so that they didn't have to pay a dollar toward my college tuition. So after I got the scholarship, my dad was like, oh, I always knew you could do it. <laughs> but at the time, he was just, his focus was just education, education. And it wasn't a bad thing. He wasn't trying to derail me from my dreams. It was more like his way of making sure that I was taken care of, that yes. I was focusing on the important things, yes. which was education, because education was what got him out of Nigeria and wouldn't help him make a life for his family. Yes. And so he was just focusing on those things. And that's just the intellectuals. Um, you know, all of it helped me to become the wise woman. I feel like I am today because I use other aspects of my brain and not just solely, you know, the well, one. they're all connected, they're right? All connected, they exactly. Really are. <laughs> now, I am very fascinated and impressed that you decided to pursue your life as an artist. Mm -hmm. Was there a defining moment when you knew that this was your path? Yes. And that was the moment I think I became a woman. Um, that's the moment I had to tell my dad that I was no longer going to follow the plan for my life that we had set, you know, more he had set. Um, but again, he was just looking out for us. And all of us, when we were born, we had our careers laid out for us. What was your specific? I was going to be a, a judge. Okay, so I was going to be a judge. And I said, okay, judge. But then I didn't realize, first you have to go to become a lawyer. And then you become a judge. So my dad was just like, judge. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I was going to law school. I actually um, graduated and applied and got into George Washington University. And um, this, is, this is where I feel like I was having some of my first spiritual out-of-body experiences. And I think um, that's another aspect of ourselves that we need to focus on is the spiritual aspect of ourselves. We are energy and we are light. And um, personally, that spirit said, that's not what you should be doing. Hmm. You should go this way. I was starting out to be a physical therapist in college. That was my major, but I was always on the road. So I had to change my major to, to um, something that I could do on the road. And then I changed it to creative writing journalism. Okay. And that changed my life. Because then I realized, oh, my God, writing is so therapeutic. It's something I can do all the time. I was always reading anyway. Hmm. So, you know, I could do these, this work that I have to do, the writing assignments I could do on the road. I found something that just fit my lifestyle. So spiritually, I was having these great breakthroughs in college with writing and just creative writing and finding that this is my thing. And so I had to tell my dad, I had to say, Dad, I'm not going to go. And he was crushed. He was devastated. Like, he was so devastated. And he was just like, so what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to pursue my art. And he said, what? <laughs> Yo, what? I could see that was very difficult it for both difficult. of you. You're, it was difficult. I can see the emotion on yeah. your face. Yeah. What a powerful moment. Yeah, How it was. Like, I really, I didn't know if, it, if we would be okay. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even now, it's, I'm so emotional because we're so good and he's so proud of me. But... At that time, it was like a crossroads. I had to really say, Ogochi, what do you want to do? This is your life. This mm. is your life. And yet you have so much love and so res much respect for your dad, and you didn't want yeah. to disappoint him. Yeah. And it's all tangled yeah. up. And yeah. 
want this sense of yeah. obligation. Yeah. Yes. Because that's what I carried with, with myself from, from birth. Like, just making them happy, you know, the cancer child, you know, making them happy, doing everything to make mom and dad happy. Mm -hmm. And then this is one time I just knew there was no way around it. He was going to be annoyed. But um, I had a really life-changing moment with him. In 2016, we went back home to Nigeria and we went to our village. And uh, the king of the village now, the Eze, is my, was my dad's childhood friend. So we see him and we're like, oh my goodness, I'm just blown away to see a real life king. And so I say, well, well, can I come to the palace? I want to interview you. You know, I want to talk to you about certain rights and, and things like that. And so we made an appointment and my dad and I, we went and we sat down and we did all the cultural things, the breaking of the cola. And then my dad says, this daughter is the daughter that um, is the closest to me. She cares so much about the culture. And in the beginning, I didn't understand what she was doing. I didn't, I didn't respect anything she was doing. Mm -hmm. And now she's the one that's bringing our culture to the world. Mm -hmm. And he's looked like, uh, he was so proud of me. And it was just a full circle moment. You know what I mean? Oh my and, goodness. It, and so if How I have wonderful. anything to tell to people is just live your life and just live it with love in your heart and purpose and everything will come around. Like, you know, I think even your, your parents or your your siblings or whoever doesn't understand it, they'll have to understand your work ethic. They'll have to understand your um, your your motivation and they'll have to understand the fact that you're focused on doing something important. And with that much energy on something that's important to you, it can't help but be a success, you know? And I just think we have to just be true to ourselves because then we blame people hmm. and they, we built resentments to people. And it's not, that's not their fault. That was oh, yours. My goodness, speaking to the choir. Mm -hmm. That's oh yours. Goodness. You decided to make that because you were trying to make them happy or whatever you were doing, but you weren't true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And you have to accept that. It's not, it wasn't anybody's fault. So I think part of the problem is how do you bridge that gap of that lack of understanding? Because mm -hmm. sometimes even your own path may not be completely sure. clear to you. You sure. can't completely put into words why you feel compelled to follow this path. And how do you explain it in terms yes. where your family member or your friend or your colleague would understand why it's no longer a good match. I couldn't explain it. I, mean, I didn't even know where I would be today. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Oh, I didn't have the blueprint. All I knew was that the voice said, do this. And I honored that. And the rest of the road, I didn't even see it before me. I was taking blind faith steps. This is what faith is. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that that's for people who need to believe. They need something. But sometimes faith is all you have. Sometimes you just have to believe that I believe. It was a, maybe three years where I was just going to open mics. I was just singing for whoever. I just wanted people to hear me, hear my words, hear these original uh, poems, hear these original songs. Um, do they resonate with you? It was a time before people started looking for me and then before I started getting commissioned to do things. That took a while. Even um, my international um, uh, aspect of my career now, that was all me stepping out on faith. The first time I ever went anywhere um, was in 97. I went to London, Amsterdam, and Paris. No one knew me. I was like, I want to go out here. And if I can make it, if I can go out here and share work with people and, they, and it resonates with them, then I'm going to do this as a career. And it was so overwhelmingly successful that I came back and recorded my album. Did you have any doubts during that three years, those initial Every day. three years? <laughs> So how did you sustain yourself? Um, honestly, 
I think that art is so healing that mm. it sustained me. The um, insecurities I had were washed away every time I did something or I spoke to somebody and they said, you know, your poem really touched me. I was trying to get those words out and I didn't know how to do it. Oh my goodness. And then I was like, what? That? Mm -hmm. So I just became Wonder Woman of my own life. Oh, and I said, love that. I'm not giving anybody else I my power. Guess what? That. It's okay. I don't need, I can do it. And to the point now that I'm actually having to delegate responsibilities because I did everything myself for so long because I just didn't want to feel powerless mm -hmm. in any way. I didn't want to feel like I gave anybody my, the power to, to control my life. That takes such an incredible amount of self-awareness. Oh my goodness. It, it was a lot of work I did. I spent a lot of time, but this life of um, art and writing, it's a really solitary one. And in, in the, those times before I met you know, my significant other, it was like I was doing a lot of walking on my own and I was having a lot of good conversations with God. Everything I've been able to do because I never had a full, I've never had an agent. All I had to do was decide to listen to the voice and everything else has been an amazing journey. And so you are a writer, mm -hmm. a poet, a singer, mm -hmm. a dancer, yeah. an activist. <laughs> yeah, educator. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, very important. Who and what inspire you? Besides the ah, divine. Yes, and my parents have been a big inspiration to me. I mean, anytime I feel like I'm so tired, I think of my mother and how she was working three jobs with five children. And then I stopped talking about how tired I am <laughs> because I don't even understand that part still that she did that. You know, um, they are big inspirations to me. What they came here with very little and what they were able to do with their lives um, is inspirational to mm -hmm. me. I, I've never had to go to another country and build a life. You know, and you know, it's so funny you say that because that occurred to me, I say a few years ago, mm -hmm. because we did our, we also did a, a journey back to Haiti with uh -huh. my dad, okay. my sisters I and I. I remember that. And to hear stories, but then to really see it yeah. and really think about it and reflect upon it as an adult. Yeah. Mind boggling. Yeah, for real. But the things that our parents did, and today, I, I well, who was doing that? I don't know who's doing those things. So the love, the level of love. Yeah, the, my dad wasn't the one to always say, I love you, I love you. But he sacrificed his life for us. And these are the things I can't forget. So I think all of this love that was poured into me, I just try to pour it back out. And sure, everything isn't easy. It's not always perfect relationships. You know, you have siblings, you know, sometimes you don't always get along, but it's the love that keeps you connected. And so you think about those moments and those times and all of those little things should supersede, all those um, issues should supersede um, the any type of major problem. I mean, I just don't see, I just don't, I just don't feel problem. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I say, okay, that's an interesting situation. <laughs> 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 because nothing has ever, been a problem quote unquote for me where I couldn't do something it was always just okay maybe I have to go a different route and if that door closed and that wasn't for me okay all right now it's good to know that you know it, I had to change the way I saw the world because it wasn't the way people most people see the world is problem reaction emotional reaction um, breakdown and you know I just don't see things like that hmm. you know I see it differently okay that's the situation okay so what can I do to fix it and usually there is a solution to it and if there's not then that's what it is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite writer 
I do have so many, you know, <laughs> as a writer. I have so many. And then personal friends of mine are amazing. There's a friend, uh, Tayemba Jess, who just won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, and he wrote an amazing book, Olio, which is that, that book. I'm just like, wow, you're the brain that created this, this book. Um, a lot of evil writers, specifically. Um, uh, Chimamanda Adichie uh, is a big inspiration to me. I love all, a lot of her books, Half of the Yellow Sun, um, Purple Hibiscus. I mean, so many books uh, that I've read of hers. Mm -hmm. um, she's very prolific. Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Nettie Okafor, too. She does a lot of fiction, sci-fi. Um, so that's really cool. Taking Africa into the fantasy realm, oh, wow. which is really nice. Um, I just read Children of B Blood and Bone, which is another amazing book. It was uh, it's all about Yoruba um, spirituality, and mm. it's uh, really fantastic the way they bring it out into this um, modern, even slightly futuristic uh, way. So I'm looking at Africa in ways that are creative and the ways that are glorified, um, in ways that make Africa vibrant those same single stories i'm just kind of tired of hearing you know i want some people to really sharpen my mind and it's even inspiring me to write my own um fictional work that i feel like is coming fantastic you mm -hmm. keep being led by that inspiration <laughs> it is taking you in wonderful places what about favorite music who's oh your favorite God. person right now okay my favorite person right now nadine this is so difficult because I, know. I, love I love music, music from too. everywhere. Okay, so I'll say genre-wise, um, reggae right now, as far as women go, Queen Africa is one of my favorite women of all time. There's just so many great ones. Fela was a big inspiration. Bob Marley is my, they're my major inspirations. Mm -hmm. When I go to write, I think of these two. I think of um, Nina Simone, mm. people who take um, their art, because I, I politicize a lot of the, mm -hmm. a lot of my work, mm -hmm. things that I, uh, issues that I feel like are important to me, I write about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you talk a lot about what you brought into uh, the discussion, po politicizing mm -hmm. your art. So what causes move you? Well, um, I, I am a big uh, supporter of women. Um, I think women run the world. So I just love to support us. Um, so I work with a couple of organizations. A story of a rape survivor, SOARS, is a story of a, a young lady who was raped a, a few times and her healing transformation, hmm. um, how she reclaimed her story in her life. It's not a sad story about rape. In the beginning, sure, it's very sad. And my initial um, contribution to the show is I sing an adaptation of Strange Fruit that she wrote after her first rape. Um, so that's one way. I also like to talk about sexism, racism, um, violence, um, you know, just systemic problems that I think people need to focus on. Um, my newest album, one of the latest issues I, I'm dealing with is sickness. And um, I have a song called Medicine with an S. Hmm. And uh, the hook is sickness is big business, you know. And I use that in a way to bring people back to holistic ways of being. Remember when you used to go and, and plant your own food? Remember when you used to have to do the work that kept you healthy? Because that was part of the formula. Exercise was built into the lifestyle. But in this American life, you know, Everything's so convenient. convenient. Yes, drive it's through convenient. everything. Drive through everything. And everything should not be so easy. And convenience kills. I learned a lot of things through music, you know, by putting it in a rhythm pattern. You know, look at um, 
Schoolhouse Rock. I mean, how many, how many of us <laughs> learned about the Constitution and, and interjections and, and different aspects of life by setting it to music? It's very important. It's a very, very um, creative way of teaching. So, you know, we just have to be more intentional and aware of the world that is being created around us. I'm just really grateful that I can use my art in a way that I feel is useful. You mm -hmm. know? That's very powerful. When I was looking at your website, one of the quotes uh, on there caught my attention. Mm -hmm. I'll read it. Yugochi has continued to create magnificent manifestations of melody over malady. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about yeah. that? Yeah, so, you know, I, like I really think of music as a science in a way where I think it's um, very organized, very intentional, very powerful. And, uh, and so I feel like when I'm, when I'm coming up with melodies and I'm coming up with words to harmonize, I'm thinking of healing tones. You know, tones that are going to be more relaxing. Like Stevie Wonder had an album, Songs in the Key of Life. Mm -hmm. And I really, I'm up of that mindset. You know, like certain, certain keys resonate with certain chakras. They resonate um, a certain energy in the body. And so that's what I mean, melody over melody. When you're, when you're trying to create a message and you're also trying to make people feel good and free things in them, you use certain, certain uh, keys, certain notes. And um, you just try to harmonize it in a certain way. And it's, and it's actually something therapeutic that you're doing. Your attention and your focus is the highest currency you have right now, more than a dollar. And people are paying for your attention, literally. That is so true mm -hmm. on so many social platforms. On so many. Absolutely true. You mentioned this a little bit earlier on as we were talking, and I really want to get into this a little bit more. You're well-traveled. Yeah. Do you think that's informed your worldview and how? Definitely. I think that um, too many of us are voyeurs. We like to turn on TV on and be like, oh, is that what that is? But you know what? That's someone's interpretation. That's someone's perspective. Hmm. So in, until you go to a place, you don't know anything about the place. Hmm. You know, there's so many different systems and way people live. You know, it's not just capitalism. It's not just American capitalism. There's like so many different ways people are living. You know, I've, I mean, I've... That's how I met my husband, actually, traveling. <laughs> and it just, I wouldn't have never gotten the perspective about Cuban life until I had gone to Cuba and seen what Cuba was like and felt it, experienced it. So what I hear you saying is that it's part of being an educated person. Sure, it's, 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 it's having an informed reality about your world. This is your world. It's not your America, just solely. And some people don't leave their state. So this is, I'm saying, if you really want to be a global citizen, you have to start traveling the globe. Because you learn about yourself, you have to rely on yourself first of all, and that fear. is not—you can't live in fear. You can, fear and faith can't occupy the same frequency. Because right now, I, I feel—I feel a lot of heaviness in people, and I just want to just—I wish if I could take it from them, I would. But they have—it's the work they have to do. We're all here for a reason, and we all have separate personal journeys and things we have to go through. And it's—we're going through it because it's going to help us ascend to be better people, elevate. But if you're not taking the lessons and you're just taking the pain, you know, and you're just taking the tragedy, you're never going to elevate. It takes courage. Sure. It takes quiet. Sure. Um, time. Yeah. Time. Patience mm -hmm. in order to be able to find that space to be present. And you have your whole life. You have nothing but it. That's what you're here for. Mm -hmm. Really, you're not here to go to that place that she's called jo your job. This is something that you have to do to survive. But that's not why we're here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's connecting to 
what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. I think that people just need to really take time to figure out what am I good at? What am I here to do? Because the subject of my podcast is health. Mm -hmm. Health is very individual. Yes. What does being healthy mean to you? Oh, being healthy to me means being of sound mind and body and spirit. That means everything, oneness, wholeness. So not that, oh, my body is strong, but my mind is weak. Or my mind is strong, but I'm, I'm failing in my body. Or, you know, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm so depressed. People always say, wow, Gochi, do you work out? Actually, it's just, you know, since high school, I guess, since running in college. But I do try to keep myself physically active because I believe God gave us a formula. You know, and I think the formula is exercise, proper nutrition and, you know, sunlight, air, being in the environment. It's very important. But mentally, I try to work myself out. Uh, my husband and I, we do these um, exercises, brain exercises, like about three, four times a week. And we try to beat each other. So we're very competitive about it. Um, and it's really fun, you know, because it gives us, us all these brain teasing and training things that we do. It's a part of my lifestyle. You know, I think it's, it has to be. Beautifully said. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much thank for sharing you, your Nadine. time and your spirit with oh, us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. This is so much fun. And now it's time for practical tips. Body tip. For that stress reduction practice you've started to establish, find another way. We need more than one thing in our toolbox when it comes time to dealing with stress. Mind tip. Have you thought about finding a book club and challenge yourself a little bit more to discuss what you've learned? Spirit tip. Let go of perfection. Allow yourself the luxury of making mistakes for growth. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.